Welcome to the Global River Church Discipleship Teaching of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. What you're going to hear tonight, if you've been any part of a, um, what I'll call a traditional background, um, you probably have not heard about this. And I really, I've, I've given you this two handouts. Week four, so let me get the, we want to hand these out to our youth. And then, so I'll hand these out. This is a short version that you can stick in your Bible. That one, I would love you to memorize or at least have access to it. It's the little half piece of paper that says, be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, when I've preached at the college, to those who are um, not believing what we believe, or I've been in a nation where um, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is not necessarily uh, preached. So this will give you information biblically to be able to dispel. When someone comes and says, well, the gifts aren't for today, that tongue ceased, that healings are not for today, if you'll notice at the bottom of that little half, it says, number five, the gifts did not cease with the apostles' death, right? We still see in part, this is 1 Corinthians 13, this is what the people who don't believe what we believe try to use as a scripture, and it doesn't float, right? And so we have not come to the unity and the fullness of Christ, which is Ephesians 4, and knowledge has not ceased, right? So neither did tongues. So you, we're gonna, by the end of the night, you're going to have a good handle on this, but I thought you could carry this with you, and when you get into discussion with family members or people from another faith or unbelievers, you can say, have you received Jesus as Savior? Have you received the baptism? And I love, where's Doug's in the, he always, he always starts with, if you were going to die today, do you know where you're going? And then he quickly gets them to, do you have the baptism in the Holy Spirit? This will help you with it. Um, why is this so important? Well, apart from Jesus, which is the greatest gift, the gift of salvation, the Holy Spirit is the only God here now, right? And so when we, when we open a nation, the last time I preached, uh, preached this in another nation was at our church in Costa Rica, and we had come down there. They had asked us. They were having a lot of trouble with uh, people that were manifesting due to the demonic realms. They would have... In this particular locale, every year they have this amazing, uh, folks come in from all over and they go and get crystal strength and they have all these new age stuff that's going on. Well, the church had gotten infiltrated by some of that. People had come and gotten saved. The church was growing and they were having uh, demonic manifestations in the church. So they said, would you come down and do a breaking free, bring your worship team. So we all went down just before COVID shut down and the last night I preached this message of impartation in the Holy Spirit, and uh, it was awesome. It was really awesome. And at the end, an elder of our church who'd been in a traditional church almost all of his life, he was near 60. He came to me, he goes, would you please pray for that impartation for me? I've been a Christian all my life, and I've never heard this message. How can that be? And so it was awesome. We prayed for him. And when uh, Mama Ginny and I went to Nepal with Pat's husband, Phil, when we were opening Nepal, that's got to be, I don't know now, 12, 14 years ago. Um, whenever I open a nation, I like to bring my wife with me and an armor bearer. So the three of us went. And um, when we met Pastor Prem, our national leader there, who now oversees over 49,000 believers, 107 churches, uh, planting churches throughout the Himalayas in some of the most remote areas, people where there have not been Western missionaries for three generations. And so it's like, wow, well, we, I, t I called Pastor Prem. I hadn't met him yet, our first time going into the country. I said, Pastor Prem, um, I need to meet, I want to meet your believers that has the, 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 the Christians would come to his village. I said, I want to go there. That's where you grew up. That's where you prayed on the mountain at 7,000 feet. And I'm here because you prayed. <laughs> and so I want to go there. So to get us there, um, one, get us a hotel that, you know, we, we, is, is a pretty good hotel. Well, to him, a $15 night hotel is like, that's, the, that's a really good hotel. No power for 12 hours, right? Molded blankets. It was like, wow. But it, and my wife never complained. But we were, it was 50-some-odd degrees, in the, and Phil, who loved it cold, he came out in the morning and goes, oh, my gosh, 
let's get some coffee. Well, I told Pastor Prem, I said, Prem, we need you to get us a Land Rover and a driver because if we're going up to the remote village, we want to get there. Well, by this time, the Chinese had not cut all the trails through the, through the Himalayas. So there were places where literally the tires for our truck were this far from 1,000-foot drops. And so we're praying the whole time, but the, the Land Rover that he got was a really good deal, but it had bald tires. It had a windshield wiper that had no, no blade on it. And, uh, and I'm like, Pastor Prem, next time we got to do better. He said, I said, how long is it going to take us to get to where we got to go? He goes, about three hours by Land Rover. Yeah. Well, it took us over six hours, and it was pretty treacherous. <laughs> it was wild. When we got there, he says, we only have, what, less than an hour for you to preach to our people who've been sitting here in the church for six hours straight waiting for our papa from the U.S. to come. And I said, six hours they've been sitting here? Yes. So I stepped in our little mud church that we had built, $2,500 on the edge of this mountain. His village area was right there. And I got there. I said, Lord, what do you want me to share? He goes, well, make sure they're saved and preach the Holy Spirit. That's all they'll need. And so I, I, I was sure that many of them had heard the salvation message because our team is really good. So I asked them. We had, we had 250 people in this church. You couldn't fit them any, anyone else. There was, there was literally no room anymore. And, and they were all sitting on the floor. You have women on one side and men on the other. And we went through a short salvation message. Said, How many of you are saved? Every hand went up. I said, how many of you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Very few hands went up. And I, so I preached a short message, and I then asked for the Holy Spirit to fall in the house. And oh, my God. When the tongues broke out from the children everywhere, it was amazing. One man sitting in the middle manifested and started flashing and all over, you know, slashing his arms all over the place. Papa Phil, if you knew Papa Phil, um, he was not afraid of anything human. He'd been in a lot of bar fights, and he drank. He was a demolition guy. He goes, I'll handle this, Pastor. He grabs that guy, and he drags him out of the church. And I'm looking through the one window in the church while I'm preaching, and I see this guy. He takes a swing at Phil, and I don't know what kind of move he put on that guy, but he was pinned in the dirt and uh, sitting in there, and I got it. So he was laying hands on in a new way that I hadn't seen. And, uh, but here's the rest of the story. It turns out that man had had an argument with a woman in the village over firewood. Someone had, they thought the firewood had been stolen, da, da, da. And they were angry. They were mad at each other. They were, oh, my goodness. He even tries to punch the woman out while he's out there. And like, wow. So we turn him over to our elders. They do a prayer time with him. He says, look, you can't behave like that. But I heard that three months later, he died by hanging himself by mistake. When they load up, and when you look at the, uh, the toured section of how they, the, the whole landscape is toured and they plant on it, but he had this whole thing of firewood. Yeah, terrace. He had this whole thing of firewood on his shoulders with ropes, and as he was coming down, he slipped, and the rope, and he hung, he got hung. We ended up helping his widow and the children and all that. I just say that, you know, be careful about your bitterness and unforgiveness. And what you sow, you may reap. And so I tell that story that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is probably the most important secondary message next to Christ's salvation that you can have. And I want you to be so astute in being able to discuss this message with anyone. You've got the scriptures. You lead them. They don't want to... I love what Abner said the other day. I'm pretty closed-minded. If it's not in the book... <laughs> or you want to talk to me about your opinion that's not in the book, I have a closed mind about it. I don't, I don't need to talk to you about it. It's, you know, we're not going to debate it. This is the way it is. So tonight I want to go there. I want to lead you biblically through it. So you should have handout week number four. It's only a couple of pages. And then this short little thing that you can put in your Bible, which we'll look at the end. And then at the end of this, we're going to have an impartation for rebaptism of fire for every one of us here. And those who want it, you, you can stay. We'll, we'll, I want my team to lay hands on you, those that are part of our ministry team. But we're, I want to give you the basis of it, and I'm going to explain to you why you have to have it. Jesus did not begin his ministry until he was baptized with the fullness. Okay? So if we think we can do ministry without it, you're mistaken. And you can't beat the devil 
without it. Jesus didn't even take the temptation challenge until after he'd been water baptized and spirit baptized, then led by the spirit into the desert. To be, Why would we think 40 days? So if that was our model, which is Jesus, why would we think we can do this any other way? And for the number of years I was in a denominational church and never heard anything about it, it's like, wow. So I'm not trying to be critical, but this is the full gospel that we need to understand. So without any further, let's turn. Uh, turn to your second page. This Pentecostal and charismatic movement, I want you to know that we are an evangelical charismatic church. Now, what does that mean? It sounds fancy, right? Well, charismatic, charisma, right? The charisms are the giftings. So let me just read this. Pentecostal and charismatic movement. First of all, you're part of a movement that is the fastest growing Christian movement in the world. And today, if you look at the bottom of that first paragraph there, by 2020, by 2050, they say that this will be probably the largest group of people, the charismatic believers. All right, top of the page. Pentecostalism and charismatic movement is a Protestant Christian movement that emphasizes direct, personal experience. This is not head stuff. This is a, both a spirit, emotional experience. It's both. And so, that through the baptism in the Holy Spirit, that term derived from Pentecost, which is in Acts chapter 2, commemorates the descent of the Holy Spirit upon the followers of Jesus Christ, speaking in tongues as described in that chapter. Like other forms of evangelical Protestantism, the Pentecostalism and the charismatic Christians adhere to the Bible is absolutely inerrant. It is the, it is the Word. We, we shared this Sunday out of 2 Timothy 3.16. Jot that down. Go memorize it. When someone says, why do you believe the Bible? Because it says so. <laughs> the Bible declares that it was inspired and given so that we would be fully equipped, right? I like Doug said it before a couple of weeks back, B-I-B-L-E, right? Basic instruction book before leaving earth, right? All right. So we adhere to the inerrancy. We also have a biblical worldview. If you go and study this thing, I've done it through all my science stuff, nuclear engineering stuff. This stuff about evolution is a bunch of hogwash, unprovable. It's hogwash. You go and tell, you go study this thing. It's not possible for them to be able to explain to you how something evolves from mud. First of all, where'd you get the mud from? And secondly, where did you get the power to make it happen? Okay, I won't go there anymore. But I want you to know that we as biblical, charismatic evangelicals believe that the word is true. We also believe that it, you can bank your life on it and both by, you know, also your salvation and your, your eternity on it. World evangelism, drop down, biblical worldview, the personal relationship with the triune God, world evangelism, missions, the gifts and wonders, the, the signs and wonders that validate the message is true. All right. Bottom of the page, foundational principles. The Bible is true. I listed some scriptures there you can look at. There are three baptisms. We're going to go into those in greater detail. First, there's you're, you're saved in Jesus. When it says, I'm in Christ, right? When you are born again, and you, you say Romans 10, 9, and 10, if I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with confession is made unto salvation. And so you are in Christ. That's over and over again in the book of Ephesians. Colossians says, those who are in Christ Jesus. So you are in him, right? In John 17, Jesus prays this prayer to his Father, that they would be one as I am one, and you and I are one, and they would be one in us. And so there's this oneness in the salvation message in Christ. But there's also water baptism, which is the baptism unto repentance. He tells us in Colossians that when you're baptized in water, you're, what you're saying is, the old man is dead, and I'm now coming alive in Christ. Now, baptism is symbol. We just did this at the beach. I'm married 48 years to this woman. This ring doesn't make me married, but it is a symbol of my marriage to this woman. She has one that matches it. We have dates and in in, in initials on the inside. doesn't make me married, but it is a symbol of it. So is water baptism. What you're saying is, I am now dying to myself, and I'm going to do what Jesus said I should do. Go and be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So water baptism. Now, the one that's 
often omitted is the Holy Spirit baptism. And we're going to dive into that. It is the Father's gift. If, when, when people don't understand that this is the gift of the Father. Remember what Jesus said in John 14, 15, and 16. I'm going to go away. If it weren't so, I would have told you. But when I go, the Father, one case says, the Father will send. Another one says, I will send the Holy Truth now. Who is the Spirit of truth who will lead you and guide you in all truth. You can't bear all the truth now. This stuff you cannot take right now. But when he comes, he'll lead you and guide you in truth and remind you of the things I've told you. And so we're going to look now and, and unpack this in greater and greater detail. Turn the page to the one which says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. All right, so now let's start laying, laying track on this. If you have a pen, you might want to make some notes to yourself on this page. If not, keep this page right with you. Put it in your Bible. Study it. Get real familiar with it. Memorize some of the scriptures. You ought to be able to fluidly talk about why the Holy Spirit is the greatest of all gifts. So are you there? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. It's page number three. During the 40 days after the crucifixion, Jesus appeared to the apostles from time to time to prove to them in many ways that he was actually alive. He commanded them not to leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that he promised. As I told you before, John baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Ghost Spirit, Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. You'll tell people about me everywhere throughout Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost. Okay, turn with me in your phone or in your word. I like paper. Luke chapter 24. Right after the crucifixion, are you there? In Luke chapter 24, in verse 55, Jesus appears to the disciples. This is where, you know, the story, he shows up at one time to some of the disciples. Thomas is not there. He says, I won't believe unless I can see the wounds in his hands. And, so and then he walks through the wall and he says, okay, Thomas, here I am. And Thomas hits the ground, my Lord and my God, right? And so there's a revelation at that moment. And this is where Jesus appears to the disciples again. And he opens their minds. Look at verse 44. He said to them, I was before, before the law was written, basically, I was. The prophets and the psalmist I have fulfilled. Verse 45, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it is written long ago, the Messiah would suffer, rise from the dead on the third day. Now it was written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem, which was where they were, this is the forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of these things. And now, look at this, verse 49, key verse, and now, but stay here, send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. There's a prophetic word. So he says, stay in the city. They're locked down. They're hiding out, right? You talk about COVID lockdown. They're locked down, and they're worried the Pharisees are going to go find them. So he says, don't leave. Stay together. The fathers, and of course, they're in prayer together in the upper room. We shared that Sunday, right? David's bones are below, and the upper room is above. We've been in there. It's an amazing place. You can feel the presence. And so it's at that place where he tells them, don't leave. Okay, now turn to Acts chapter 1. In that season between the crucifixion and the ascension, those 40 days, the 50 days total, he, he ends up telling them, I want you to stay here. He speaks to them about the kingdom. Let's pick up in verse 2. Until the day that he was taken up to heaven after his chosen apostles, he, further instructions were given in the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days of the crucifixion, he appeared from the crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. Now, you read some of the accounts, right? One time they see him, they, they're wondering, he says, you got any food? And he eats. And they're like, they're looking at this guy who just walked through the wall, and now he's eating, right? Another account where the disciples are out fishing. Remember, at that point, Peter got real discouraged, I'm going fishing, 
He'd already denied him. He figured, um, I've, I've just denied Jesus. He goes fishing. Jesus standing on the shore. And he says, hey, have you caught anything? And of course, they've been not caught anything, right? And then I think it was Andrew, one of them said, John says, it's the Lord. And Peter puts on his tube, dives in the water, gets there. And all, the way, all of a sudden, there's a fire there with fish cooking. And, and remember, he turns to Peter. He says, Peter, do you love me? Lord, you, you know I, I love you. He asked him three times. Three denials, three lies, three times of confession. Yes, I love you, Lord. You know. He goes, good, then now feed my lambs. And then he prophesies when you're old. Right now you go wherever you want, but when you're old, they'll take you where you don't want to go. And then he asks, what about John? What about him? So you don't worry about him. If, he, if I want him to live, which he does, writes the book of Revelation, even he's the last, he's the only non-martyred saint, apostle that was there. Well, okay, so here we are. Look at verse 4. Once when he was eating with them, so that's one of the ways he's, can you imagine this? He's resurrected and he's telling them about the kingdom. He was dead on the cross. Many of them saw it. Now he's alive. He's sitting there like, this is dead. He imagine being there at that place with him? Like, he was dead. He was beaten. He was, and he still carries the scars. So he is at that place where he tells them this. Do not leave until the Father sends you the gift he promised as I told you before. Remember Luke? We just read it. John baptized with water, but just in a few days you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. When the apostles were with Jesus, kept asking, Lord, is it time? Is it the Father knows the day of the hour. Verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That is a really important statement. Comes upon you. Yes. Comes upon you. What? You want to ask a question? Go ahead. Oh, add something. Yeah. When I was young, like these kids, I kind of missed the Holy Spirit thing because it got mentioned a little bit. But I thought they told me Jesus was living in me. And I knew good and well no man was living in me. You know, I don't, it just didn't work. But guess what? I've got Acts. I can give you Romans. Let me get my little notes. Yeah. Just so you'll know, and I'll hush. It's the Holy Spirit of Jesus. That's why it's so important what Tom's telling you. It's not just some spirit. It's the Holy Spirit of Jesus himself. When you get spirit baptized, that's why he said, I got to go. And if I don't go, I can't send him. Yeah. It's his spirit that's in you. It's not just the man Christ Jesus is in heaven with the Father. But Jesus, the Spirit of Jesus is in you. And he could do anything Amen. if he was hooked up with the Father. Amen. You guys can too. I've got two scriptures that Here, uh, bear me out. One is, and I'll hush right after this. But I think for young people, it screwed me up so bad. I said, I can't believe all this mess when I was young. This was, um, all right, the first one. Pretty good. This is Paul, and it's in Romans. It's Romans 8 9. I'm going to read it. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature, for you are controlled by the Holy Spirit. If you have the Holy Spirit of God living in you, and remember that those who do not have the Holy Spirit of Christ says right there, the spirit of Christ living in them do not even belong to me. That's Paul. All right? So then switch over to Peter. Now, these were the two heads of the church. In uh, Peter 1.11 says, they wondered what time or situation that the Holy Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them uh, in advance about his own suffering and great glory. So it, this is Peter talking about the Holy Spirit, capital S in a lot of books, but Holy Spirit of Christ. So you, if you said yes, whether you're working with the Holy Spirit or not, he's in you. Amen. Jesus, the Spirit of Jesus is in you. Amen. And if you start believing that, I promise you, 
you can be turned loose to do a lot of things. I just thought it yeah. was important. Good. That's First Peter chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. Amen. And then Romans 8. All right. Praise God. Thank you. The Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of Christ, is in you. So we love that. When, and, of course, not to belabor this, but when you're born again, you know that your spirit man is born again. It's alive. You're written, you're written in the Lamb's book of life. You believe. But how come you don't have any power? How come you can't overcome the temptations? How come you can't be a witness because you're not bold enough? There's a boldness that comes on you when the Spirit of Christ... Was Jesus bold? <laughs> when the Spirit of Christ comes on you, you get bold. When you get powered, you also get powered up to say no to the temptations. Not that you're going to be sinless and all, but there's a power. If, he, if this was so important that Jesus preached it, then you know it's important. All right, let's lay some more foundation. All right, so Acts chapter 1, 4, and 8, those are really important. Of course, Acts chapter 2, you know what happens. They're all together praying. For days, they're praying. Can you imagine praying without the Holy Ghost for days? I mean, I can't even get people to come to a one-hour prayer meeting. I'm serious. Sometimes, like, wow. And so, it's like, okay. So, they're there, but they know they're waiting, and there's an assignment. And there's also risk. Something happens when the church is at risk. Look what happens when, when 9-11 happened, right? When 9-11 happened, the church got filled for a while. People say, oh, my goodness, what's happening? When there's struggle going on, that people tend to come and look for help. That's good. Well, they were together, and there was a risk, and then the Holy Spirit falls, and you know what happens in Pentecost. It's one of the feasts that we've talked about. We'll talk again again this weekend about it on Sunday. So we see that this is Acts chapter 2, and they're all filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, and you know, immediately the world goes after them, and the religious people go after them. They must be drunk. What are these people doing? It's 9 a.m. No, they're not drunk. <laughs> so you'll notice in Acts chapter 2 in verse 11 and 12, anytime people start being filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, you're going to get pushback. And it's happening now all the time. People are both amazed, perplexed, ridiculed, making false accusations. They must be drunk. So don't be surprised when you start operating in the spirit realm that you're going to get some pushback. But then you can say, look, I don't need to get emotional. Let me just tell you what the Word says. Okay, turn with me to Acts chapter 8. Actually, let's go to Acts chapter 4 first. You know the story here in Acts chapter 4 where the apostles at this point Peter and John, right, they go to Gate Beautiful. Remember the, the beggar at Gate Beautiful, right? He was, a, he was crippled for many, many years. That means Jesus, he would, every day he was at the gate. That means how many times did Jesus walk by him and didn't heal him? Jesus didn't heal everybody. He only did what the Father was doing. He says, we're going to wait, and I'm going to let Peter and John do that one later because it'll be for a purpose, right? So we see here in Acts chapter 4, when Peter and John walk by gate, beautiful, the man says, give me alms, give me money. He's begging. Peter turns to him. He says, seeing that he has faith, he says to him, silver and gold have I none such as I have given unto you. And he, the man is raised up, and that causes a big mess. All the religious people are all upset. And so they take him, and they warn Peter and John, you need to stop doing that. He says, you think we're, we're going to stop doing it? Look at verse 12. Salvation is no one else." But in God is given none other name under heaven by which men might be saved. The members of the council were amazed that they saw the boldness of Peter and John. They knew they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures, right? These guys are, they're fishermen. How do they do that? They also recognized that these men had been with Jesus. Oh, oh, that makes a difference. Yeah, you bet it does. And so... They warn them. They tell them, look, you better stop doing this. And here's the response, verse 29, Acts 4, 29. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants. Signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they preached the word of God with boldness. I want you to see, these are the apostles who had been baptized before and they are rebaptized. When there's a miracle that happens, you get all excited, you get threatened, and this place says, We're not ashamed of the gospel. 
What can they do to me? What can men do to me? And at this point, boldness comes, and they preach the gospel. The place is shaken, and guess what? The church is being added to by the thousands. Okay, Acts chapter 8. Now, at this point, we know there's a lot of pushback happening. The church comes under persecution. You know what happens with uh, Stephen. He's stoned. Paul is the one that sets up to go after. He gets permission from the uh, religious guard to go and kill Christians. He's gone to Samaria. He's bringing them. He's locking them. You know the story on that one, right? Well, in Acts chapter 8, during some of the persecution, the guy Philip who worked in House of Mercy ministry for the widows, he's one of the men filled with the Holy Ghost. He's just an ordinary guy who's filled with the Holy Spirit and respected. They select him along with several others, and they said, you go and take care of the widows. So they're doing the House of Mercy ministry. Well, Philip escapes. <laughs> you know what happens. He meets the eunuch on the road, right? The Ethiopian eunuch and preaches to him about the gospel, baptizes him in water, and then he's snatched away. I mean, woohoo! this is awesome stuff. Well, now Philip, who's probably pretty filled up with the Holy Ghost, he goes to Samaria, where the half-breeds are, half-Christian, a half-Jew, half-Gentile. The Jews wouldn't even go there, right? They consider them the dogs. They had to worship in a separate place. Even the woman at the well in John 4, remember, they said, why are you talking to that woman of Samaria? You know that story. Well, he's here, and what happens? Look at verse, let's pick up in verse 4. Philip preaches in Samaria. But the believers were scattered, and they preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. So now persecution causes the, the gospel to be spread, right? Philip, for example, this isn't just an example for example, went to the city of Samaria, and he told the people about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear the message and see the miraculous signs. Many evil spirits were cast out screaming as they left their victims. So we got deliverances, we got healings, we got it all going on, right? And many who had been paralyzed or lamed were healed. So there was great joy in the city. Pop down to verse 12. And now... The people believed Philip's message of the good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized in water. Then Simon, even Simon said, when, when the apostles in Jerusalem, verse 14, when the apostles in Jerusalem hear that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, now this is not like, let's get settled in, Let's preach the new, good news. No, as soon as they arrive, there's a gathering. This is really important. You'll find this, the same thing happens in Ephesians in, verse, in chapter 19, Paul in Ephesus. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. Look at your translations. Some of them, King James says, the Holy Spirit had not yet fallen on them. Now, what is that all about? The language of had not come on them, had not yet fallen on them. That language is specific. Go look it up in the Greek and the Hebrew. It's like the weight of it came down on you. Why? Why? Because the Holy Spirit is in you for salvation. He's on you for somebody else. That's where the power comes in. And that's where... Many in the denominations forget it. They don't understand it. So, and matter of fact, when I was leading this woman through this a couple of weeks back from another denomination, 35 years in the traditional church, she goes, how come I've never seen this before? I don't know. Um, you know, you just, I guess you get familiar with your word and it just kind of slips past you, right? And so when he said it had not yet, these are believers. When they said, wait a minute, they can't be believers yet. Because don't I have the Holy Spirit in me when I got saved? Yes, you do. But you're a tripart being. You're our body, soul, and spirit. Your spirit man's alive. Your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. But you're going to go through life powerless. You're going you're to be tormented. You're going to struggle. You're going to be afraid. And you're not going to be bold until you are baptized with the power that comes from the Father's gift. It is the greatest gift that he can ever give you. It is the Spirit of Christ that wants to reside in you, to come on you, wants to fall on you, so you'll get about the, the Father's business. Right? So when it, now, he goes on, he says, listen, we got to have this fall on. He goes, well, wait a minute. They, they got 
the Holy Spirit comes on and says in verse 16, the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had, they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They were water baptized. They heard the salvation message. They were water baptized. They might have been sprinkled in one of your denominations, but they had not been fallen on yet. And so he says, how can this be? These Gentiles are getting it. And what happens? What's the result? Verse 17, Peter and John lays their hands upon these believers and they received the Holy Spirit. There is an impartation on the laying on of hands. Look at it in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. There is a baptism that comes. It's, it's a plural. Let's keep your finger here and turn. There is the, this is actually Christianity 101 that the writer of Hebrews is saying, man, I hope we don't have to go over this again. Hebrews 6, verse 1. So let's stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. How many times can you hear a salvation message? If you, right? I'm not against it, but okay, we've got to go deeper. Let's go instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamentals of repenting from evil deeds, placing our faith in God. We don't need further instructions about baptisms. Every one of your translations is plural. So if there's only one, what are you telling me? The Bible's wrong? No, I'm not. It's right. The laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, the eternal punishment. So God willing, let's move forward. And then he goes on about, watch out. If you fall away from God, in verse 4, it's impossible to bring him back if you've really been lost. Once to have known Christ and then to turn away from him is a dangerous, it's a, Paul goes on and says, it's a dangerous place to fall into the hands of the living God. All right. So chapter 8, we see that. Now let's keep going. Let's turn to Galatians. Well, look at Acts 10. Let's go there first. In Acts chapter 10, in verse 38. Acts 10, 38. I love this scripture. The Gentiles hear the good news. Remember, this is about Cornelius. And man, it breaks all of the, the laws associated with kosherness, eating things that were not kosher, and now they are, you know, the whole argument happens that Peter has to take it back. I was in this dream, and I saw this vision, and Cornelius came, and the Holy Spirit fell. Well, look at verse 38. And you know that God appointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. God the Father anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Son, right, with the Holy Spirit and with power. Why? Verse 39, and the apostles were witnesses of what this is. We've seen it. And now this opens the whole story in verse 44. And even Peter was saying these things. The Holy Spirit fell upon those listening to the message and were amazed of the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they had heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Peter said, can anyone object to them being baptized now that they've received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So give orders for them to be baptized. So now he says, this is reverse order. Wait a minute. I'm preaching the good news. The Holy Ghost falls on them. They got the whole deal. I like some places we've been in. They go from in the tent, salvation message, in the water, baptized in the Holy Ghost. And I think Neil said we're going to do all three, right? When you get into baptism, I bought it yesterday. We bought another tank. We got two of them now. And we're having the platforms built around it. When people come, I want to get water baptized. We're going to do it three times, right? Make sure salvation, and baptism, and that man's, old man's dead, and now Holy Ghost, come on him, right? So get ready. Praise the Lord. All right. We're just going to, we're going to do it. We, it's amazing. When I've been in Africa, we said, we'll be there. And we, press, pre, we preach the message of salvation, and they, we take them down to the river, crocodiles and all, and we put them in the water, and then we ask the Holy Ghost to come on them. Hallelujah. All right. So let's look at it. Let's go on. That's Acts chapter 10. Now let's go to Acts chapter 19. In Acts 19, one of my other favorite scriptures, it says, these are believers, some of your translations say Greek brothers. Others will say believers, 12 of them in all. So in Acts 19.1, there's another scripture. You, if you can just remember Acts chapter 1, 4 and 8, 
You can remember Acts chapter 2, Pentecost. You can remember Acts chapter 8 where Philip is there. And in Acts 19, you'll start to be unraveling those and say, wait a minute, these are believers. And if you're a believer, listen to this. Verse, 19, uh, verse 1, Acts 19, when Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions and he reaches Ephesus on the coast. When he found several believers, the first question he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, when I was in a denomination, it's like, of course I did. Uh, I, yeah, I believe, I got the Holy, what, what do you mean the Holy Spirit? I, I got the Holy Spirit when I believed. Ah, they respond. Remember, they don't have social media. They don't have all the sermons we're hearing today bombarding the world. It says, why, first of all, why, did, why was that the first question? Why would the apostle, the first time in Ephesus, ask the question as soon as he meets him, hey, Bishop, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Why would he say, so wh- when did you come to salvation? And, and how'd you get here? And how's the church doing? No. The first question is, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Why is that the first question the apostle asked? Why is it the first question Peter and John asked? Because they realized, if you don't have it, you can't do it. We had to get it. You got to get it because that's what we were commanded to give you. Right? So this is where he comes and he says, did you? And he goes, no, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. He asked a question, another one. Well, then, what baptism did you experience? That's new living. King James says it a little bit different. He says, and he said unto them, unto what have ye been baptized? And they said unto him, John's baptism. So they were water baptized. They were sprinkled or water baptized. But they had not been fallen upon. And so you go, we got to get this fallen upon going here. So this is what he said. Paul says to them, John's baptism called for repentance, right? That's the old man is dead. You need to go under the water, and you need to come out a new creature in Christ, right? That stuff's got to die. But then he says, yes, John's baptism was for repentance from sin. But John himself, as soon as they heard it, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, came upon them, and they spoke in tongues and they prophesied, 12 in all. Something happens in the impartation and the laying on of hands. People get, well, we don't like all these fire tunnels and what do we have to do? What's all that? And it's biblical. You may not like all the emotion about it. But get over it, right? People, you know, if you've ever been filled with the Holy Ghost, there are times when you cannot stand up. When I got baptized really powerfully in the 19th floor of the hotel in Brazil, the first trip, my wife will attest and others that were there, when Randy Clark Clark laid hands on me and the Holy Spirit came up through the floor and bam, my glasses broke. I did a face plant. I got rug burns on my arms. Now I can't see and I'm all hurting. And I instantly got up and said, honey, take me drunk. I'm home. (laughs) And the four guys picked me up and carried me down to my hotel bedroom and threw me in there for another hour. I was like, what the heck? This nuclear engineer who doesn't believe in half this stuff yet, something just happened. And so, I'm not saying you have to have that experience, but when the Holy Spirit, what, ex- what did you experience? And did you surrender sufficiently? What are you holding back? What are you afraid of? Why are you afraid to let God in? What are you afraid to let that boldness flow in you? Why won't you let him fall on you? Why won't you ask the Father to release him to you? We got to have it. You got to have it. You got to have it. It's so important. You can't, you can't find victory. It's hard enough to find victory. But when you get the Holy Spirit power, then you become witnesses. And so he says, listen, I want you to have this power. Well, look at, let's, let's validate this. Go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. It says here that if you don't walk in the Spirit, then you'll walk in the flesh. There's only two categories here. You need to live by the Spirit. we got to cultivate this place where I hear the Holy Spirit. Well, someone even made, mentioned to me today, their family member was saying, well, how do you hear God? I've never heard God. Well, have you asked him? I pray. If you don't know, just say, God, if you're real, show me. Ooh, what a prayer that is. I can get somebody to just pray that prayer, honestly. God, if you're real, show me. Woo, 
when I did that, you know my story, get ready, buckle up, two by four might be coming out. So at that point, what is he saying? Galatians 5, 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil. It's opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives you desires that are opposite from that sinful nature. These two forces, I love this verse. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. Your nature and the Holy Spirit are in a war every day in your life. And unless you wake up and say, God, I surrender, I give up, you got to take over today and i got to walk this out, you are not fully surrendered. He told you, unless you take up your cross daily and follow me, unless you nail your passions to the cross, then you're not worthy of being mine. How strong is that message? And so this is the place where we've got to ask the Holy Spirit, come upon me, I surrender, baptize me more. I, can't t- I pray almost every day, Lord, baptize me, baptize me more with more and more. We've got to have more. We've got to have the revelation. You're the one who knows everything. That's the Spirit who lives in here. You fall on me. You've got to reveal these things to me. And then I've got to choose. And he'll have people help you when you're not making the right choices. He'll bring you people around you. And now that iron will sharpen iron and you'll have to swallow some of your crow and pride and, and get on with it, right? These two forces are constantly fighting each other and you're not free. You are not free to carry out your good intentions if you're directed by the Spirit. If you are directed by the Spirit, then you're under no obligation to follow that sinful nature. And that is a battle. When there's a stronghold there, people have been struggling with addiction and pornography and drugs and food. There's an addiction. There's a strength. There's a, there's a spirit that's in that thing, and it's got to be battled. And the only way you can battle it is with your free will gift and the Holy Ghost power. There's no other way. But I have seen it. I've seen heroin addicts. I've seen people that have had such an addiction to pornography that they've been able to say, God, I'm so sick of this sin. I'm tired of it. I'm so tired of it, God. Would you release me? And the baptism of fire comes on them, and they'll turn. I had a man this week addicted for years. He said, when I got that Holy Ghost on me, that day it was gone. I've had him come in and get on their knees and repent and say, I got to get rid of this opioid addiction. It's killing me. And they'll get up from that place. The Holy Ghost comes on them and never touch it again. And there's others that will have to battle. But either way, the truth is you can overcome with the free will of God and the baptism of power. That's what he said, and therefore you can take it to the bank. You can tell God, Lord, I need you to help me. You said you'd give me power. Give me the power, God. And unless you have it, it doesn't happen. And so he says, he also warns you. He says this, if you walk after the flesh, get ready. You're going to, in fact, this is an extremely scary scripture. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, this is Galatians 5.19. The results of sin are very clear. Sin produces death. The wages of sin is death. You will destroy relationships. You'll destroy your marriage. You'll destroy your health. You'll destroy your work. This is the results. It says it's very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostilities, jealousies, Outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, drunkenness, envy, evil parties. And he says, and other sins like this. Is there anything left? I don't know. It's like, man, he's got a pretty good list. But the Holy Spirit, it says, you will not. Let me tell you again. I have told you before. Anyone who lives this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. If your lifestyle's in pornography, drunken, hidden sin, jealousy, greed, if it's hidden and you're doing it, you can dress the pig up, but it's still there and God knows it. And if that's your lifestyle, there's a concern about your inheritance. But then he goes on, he warns you, he says, now let's get the good news. But the Holy Spirit, verse 22, produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Hallelujah. Self-control? Yeah, you don't have to do that. You don't have to overeat. You don't have to purge on these things. You don't know. The Holy Spirit says, if he gets in here with power, if I surrender sufficiently, and sometimes you need to get that demon released. That's why you need to go to prayer ministry. Sometimes you got to get two people to gang up on that thing. 
When we gang up on it, you come in your free will, we cast it out, and then guess what? You get filled with the Holy Ghost and you move on. We've got thousands of stories of that happening. I'm not exaggerating. Thousands of people have been baptized and free now in Jesus' name. Those who belong to Christ have nailed these passions and desires of the sinful nature to the cross. And they crucified them there. So what are living by the Spirit? Let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of your life. Every part of your life needs to be in the control of your will. I love what Neil said Sunday morning. God doesn't need your money. The greatest thing you can give him is your free will. Jesus did, right, in the garden. He had an assignment. And he says, Father, is there any other way to do I know now what's coming. And I, is there any? Three times he asked for the boys to pray with him. They're asleep. Great. He says, is there anything, any other way? Father, not my will, but yours. According to God. So Jesus modeled this for us. And if you don't think that your will is important to God, you're mistaken. It's the, one of the gifts. It's really the greatest gift you can give him. So we ask now for that spirit of God to give us that freedom. All right, Romans chapter 8. Neil's already touched on this, but let's just touch a couple. If you look at that chapter, I encourage you, this week, read that chapter several times. It's awesome. Life in the spirit. In fact, I counted it. I think there is 21 times in 39 verses the spirit word is used. 21 times in 39 verses. Again, might be a little different in different versions. There's 15 times in the first 16 verses. Do you think it's important? He says there is. Now, those who are walking in shame and guilt and all that, he goes, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Salvation, baptism, number one. Then he goes on and talks about walking in the spirit. And this is this place. Read that whole chapter. You're like, whoa. Abba, Father, there's this whole revelation of the release of the Spirit of God. And when, when that happens, all of the stuff that, if you've got father issues, you've been abused, you've been broken, this is the place where the Father God, he's not, this actually is Daddy. There was many years I had trouble calling him Daddy. I had some father issues growing up, and so it was hard for me. But when the Holy Spirit dropped... And I heard from myself, I love you. You're a masterpiece. You're my workmanship. My thoughts about you are as numerous as the sands of the sea. I thought about you before you were even born. When that, that scripture, when you start having that revelation in the spirit, remember what Paul said? May the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ be yours for the fathomless, unsearchable riches of Christ. When you get a hold, it's like, oh, you really love me? But God, but God, you know, I can't see it. The all-knowing, all-powerful God has separated your sin as far as east is from the west and remembers it no more. How is that? That's how we can go into the holy of holies. The veil's been torn down. The blood of Jesus Christ has marked you. Your DNA's different. You're not the same creation. Corinthians makes it clear. You are another creature. A new creation in Christ. In Christ. Who then allows him to sit at the right hand of the Father. Seated, seated right there with, this is my son. This is my daughter. When that starts to get in you, and you, no wonder, like, I want more of this power, God. I got to have more of this power, God, because it's so good. It's so sweet. It's so loving. And then you can love. We had a long discussion. Today's intercession was really awesome. We had this whole discussion about how do you pray for your enemies? We took communion around that. It was a, whole, it was a thematic here about praying for your enemies, praying for those who abuse you and you can't do that in the natural. You can't pray for people who have abused you, stolen things, killed things from you, taken things from you in a way that, God, but yet you modeled this. He's beaten to the point of near death. Within a few minutes, he's giving up the ghost. And he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. If he modeled that, you think we can't do that? We have to model that. 
You can forgive people. You can start praying for people in ways that, God, this ain't, is not me. I don't have it in me, but I know what you said, and I got to have you take this hurt and this wound and this loss and this brokenness, and you got to replace it with God power. And when I get God power, you can pray for people that you'll see them in heaven. You'll see them in heaven. God, I, I don't want you to punish them. Revenge is not mine. It's not yours, saith the Lord. It's his. You got to be careful. I mentioned this this morning. When you start praying against people in government or people in your workplace, be careful of Christian wishcraft. Be careful. You will bring it upon yourself what you sow. Galatians 6, 7. What a man or a woman sows, they will also reap. There's life and death in the power of the tongue. I put before you, Deuteronomy 30, life and death. You can choose. Blessings or curses. You can choose. You can choose. What do you choose? Life. All right. Let's, uh, let's finish, and then we're going to pray. Turn with me to Luke chapter 11. How do we get this, Lord? How? Well, first of all, we can ask. They, the disciples, they obviously know Jesus is slipping away. He's praying in the mountains. Sometimes he's praying all night. And they're going like, Jesus, how do you do that? Can you teach us to pray? <laughs> can you imagine these fishermen? They're like, pray. So they're asking, teach us to pray. So he tells them that he gives that prayer. Our Father who art in heaven. Then it goes on and says, keep on asking. Keep on knocking. Verse 8. And it goes on, verse 9. I tell you, keep asking. This is like, well, I prayed, I prayed last five years ago. God wants me to answer your No, keep asking. You will receive whatever you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks, receive, and everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Man, he's, got, he's going over this. Oh. Then it's like, how does this get here? What, is this in the same context? Verse 31. I'm sorry, verse 11. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Well, that's ridiculous. It's so ridiculous, it's like, of course not. He even answered, of course not. So, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give what? The Holy Spirit to those who ask him. You got to ask the Father. We got to ask the Father. That's the gift. Now, you can get a gift and never open it. It's sitting right there. It's in your account. You're a believer the Father's got a wrapped gift of the Holy Spirit power for you. But if you never ask for it, you never open it, then you don't get it. Amen. And it used to be years and years. When you listen to the old-time saints back several hundred years ago, they would contend for months, praying, we got to get the whole. Now that veil has been torn open. The Holy Spirit can come. And, and that's why we're pressing through in healings and deliverance. That veil's coming down a well again. There are these forerunners who have paid a price. But you go and read about D.L. Moody and some of these that says, we've been contending for weeks and years, months, and all of a sudden, liquid love poured over me. And he said, stay your power. It's so powerful. If you don't stay your power, I'll die. The liquid love was like, oh, my gosh. I'm getting electrocuted right now. Woo-hoo-hoo. Jesus. All right. Those who want the Holy Spirit, I'm going to invite you to stay. Those who, are, who don't want it, you can leave now. It's really okay. I'm, I'm, not being, I'm not being facetious if you're not ready for it because we're going to ask the Holy Spirit and we're going to ask the Father to come. I want to have a prayer of intercession for our families right now before we leave. I want to pray. If you've got, how many people are interceding for a person in your family that has not yet come to understand who Christ is or has turned away. Okay, Lord, you see these hands. And you told us to intercede. You told us to pray. You told us that we could be the, the ones on the wall that would stand in the gap. So right now, join with me in the name of Jesus. We lift up our loved ones to you, Lord. And we ask that you would open the door, that you would draw them to yourself. You would make the things of the world of no value. That only the kingdom 
You said if we would seek first the kingdom, so Lord, we ask that the kingdom would become obvious. They would have a hunger with lots of questions, visitations, divine appointments. Lord, we ask that you'd release your angels to go and assist us and help us with our families. So we thank you, Lord. We have an expectation that we're going to hear testimonies of loved ones that have suddenly come to Christ. And we thank you, Lord. Neighbors, a new boldness. Now, I want to pray a boldness on this crowd. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus there would be a new boldness over Global River that we would be so on fire, but we would have not just the word, but we would have miraculous power that would go. We would see signs following. People would wonder, tomorrow, when you walk in stores, you walk in your workplace, you walk around, it's like, man, I feel different. What is that about? What is that about you? Oh, let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you what happened, the encounter I had with Jesus. And if there's an area that you've been battling in, Give it to the Lord tonight. Before you get in bed, get on your knees and say, Lord, I'm totally surrendered. Here it is, God. It's all yours. Empower me. And then you get in bed and you pray, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If your love watch me through this night, and I will come to you in the morning light. Amen. Come on. Bless you. Thank you for being here. God bless you all. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Dad, guys, for running all the sound in Jesus' name.